across the street of the Texas State Capitol in Austin, this is the Trey Blocker Show, starring Charlie Hodge and Trey Blocker with today's guest, Austin City Council member Ellen Troxclair. And here's Trey Blocker. Thank you, Charlie Hodge, for that very kind introduction, and welcome to this episode of the Trey Blocker Show. We are pleased to have in the studio City Council person Ellen Troxclair. Welcome. Thank you. I got a very basic question. Does nobody say city councilman or city councilwoman anymore? You know, that was one of the first things that I asked when I got to City Hall because they actually call us council member, council member. And I said, why is there no woman or man? I don't know. I don't know if it has something to do with being gender neutral or or what. But Uh, we're already into gender politics. (laughs) We just started this episode. Jeez. (laughs) We're all council members. So very interesting. Yes. Well, whether you agree or not. Yeah. And you can't even say council people because who knows if they're people? Yeah. We don't know anymore. (laughs) And would that be wrong if they weren't? Well, you know, we can't judge. We can't judge. That would be intolerant of us, Charlie. We need to be tolerant. They're city council members. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll try to be politically mm-hmm. correct for the remainder of the show, or at least the next 30 seconds. Uh, so, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you were elected to the Austin City Council in 2014. How's it been so far? It's been interesting. People ask me if I'm having fun, and that's certainly not the word that I would use to describe <laughs> it. I, being being one of the, the lone conservative members of, the, of, of a very liberal uh, city council. So... You know, take take each day at a time. Some, sometimes I really feel like I'm making a difference and it's all worth it. And then sometimes I'm I'm discouraged and need a pep talk. So sure. Well, and let, you were also part of the freshman ten one city council lineup, where yes. it went from a district oriented uh, members to, or it went at large to now district oriented, meaning you got to please a smaller group of people, right? Right. And and I supported the change to ten one because I hoped that it would allow us to elect a more ideologically diverse group of people to, to represent the city. And, and I think that that did happen. I think that that was the case. But um, uh, unfortunately, now, now I may be the only one left. <laughs> so we always like to, you know, part of our purpose in doing this podcast, as Charlie and I have discussed on previous episodes, is to allow our audience to get to know the people we're interviewing on a more personal basis as opposed to relying on misquotations in the Austin American statesmen are uh, not that they do that, uh, or or sound bites on TV. So tell us where you where you're from, where you grew up, who you're married to. I think I know that guy. Uh, just I, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, I was born in Houston, grew up in Dallas. Um, actually, lived in California for a few years and in middle school. Got back to Texas as quickly as possible. Um, came to school at UT and started working. Started in started my career in politics, I guess, as an intern in um, Representative Phil King's office. And that is where I met my now husband, Caleb Troxclair. And we just had our first child, Juliet. She's about six months old and she's precious. Aww. And we're learning to learning to adjust to, to life, having life being centered around this tiny creature. Wow. Fellow parent. So six months, you're just now getting some air. Yeah, she's... Yes, we are. I'm still having some sleep, sleepless nights every once in a while, but um, in general, she, you know, you can put her down. She stays right where you left her. You know, you can go <laughs> wash her hands or do something, do it, brush her teeth, do whatever you need to do. You come back, she's still there. She's not talking talking back yet because no. she's not talking. So, <laughs> I cherish these days. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Just a matter of time. I know. 
<laughs> I do notice that you said first child. So is there a negotiated <laughs> number that you and Caleb have? I don't know what the number is, but I think that we would, we would definitely like to have more. More than one? Yeah. More than two? Yeah. Less than uh, five? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying more to help than one. Ca- I'm trying to help Caleb more than, out here. I know. I Caleb. like him. He's a, he's have a you good checked guy. with him? He might be like, more, less than five? Are you no. kidding me? He may want ten. <laughs> it's a lot easier for the husband to want more kids than the wife because they don't have to go th- you know <laughs> Very true. they don't have to go through the whole situation that's true that's true it's a good so, term for it <laughs> charlie we've been a tad bit remiss uh we we have another uh very special well she's not a guest she's a part of the team alice nainsworth is in the studio hello thank you for having me for uh, to be on here for the first time uh allison is our uh, producer, our research director, our our booking agent. She does a little bit of everything and everything. But for Allison, we wouldn't have a show. So, Allison, thanks for finally sitting in with us. Thank you for making me sound more important than I actually am. So you're welcome. I'm excited to be here. We try to do that for each other. You know, bo- boost egos. Hey, yeah. yeah, boost egos. Do it all. It's important for sure. So after Representative Phil King, you at some point went to work for Jason Isaacs. Yes, yes. So most before I ran for City Council, I was serving as Chief of Staff to Representative Isaac, and he was one of the first people when I when this change to the 10-1 system happened and when I realized that there was no one in our district that we were really excited about supporting um, and thought, you know, if I, if I have the opportunity to do it and I, and I don't, then, um, then maybe I can't complain. So he was one of the first people that I talked to about it and confided in and got his opinion and his, his advice. And he encouraged me wholeheartedly to do it and was so supportive um, through the whole campaign. So I really owe him a lot of gratitude for allowing me yeah, uh, we were wondering if you um, always wanted to run for office or if it was just something that, you know, through encouragement, you spur of the moment decided to do or? I never in a million years thought that I would run for <laughs> office. I mean, I, I, it's still not my favorite thing, but I was terrified of public speaking. I was more than happy to always be the, the staffer in the background, you know, doing doing the research and, and handing it off to someone else. So um, it, I think it caught certainly caught my husband off guard and (laughs) and and most of my friends and and representative Isaac as well but you know I'm glad I did it I I think had I had more time actually it was it was kind of an interesting story because we were there was a group of us in the district um who all just who were all excited about this new change thought oh great we can finally vote for someone who more aligns with, with what we believe and bring some more common sense to the city of Austin um and so we decided to pool some money the there's a 350 dollar campaign contribution limit per person for city council races. So we thought, okay, if we get 10 of us together and we all pool, we all give $350, you know, that'd be a nice little start for, for whatever candidate we decide to support. And when we were looking at the candidates, we, um, we realized that there wasn't anybody that we were excited about. So that's, that's kind of how, how it all happened. Um, and at that point it was pretty close to the filing deadline. So I needed to make a decision really quickly if I was going to do it. And had I had more time to think about it, I probably would have chickened out. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. Deadline. You know, <laughs> we are also glad you didn't. Thank you. So we're, we're glad you're on city council. And you've been on the council for about two years now. Yes. And you alluded to this a second ago, but so far, so good. So far, so good. Yeah, I mean, it, it has gotten, um, you know, it, it's hard in any situation to, I think, be the, the minority, but to be such, to be such a small minority, to be one out of, out of a body of 11, um, that often has a differing opinion or a different point of view, you know, it, 
it is difficult sometimes, but I mean, that's what I signed up. I knew that from the beginning that it was going to be a tough road and that's what I signed up for. Um, but Being it conservative, has, referring to that's your minority, right. is you're the lone, basically conservative voice on right. the council, correct? Right. Yes. And I, you know, I try to, st- I try to find common ground with my colleagues when it comes to fiscal issues and um, spending and budget and affordability and, and other things where, where I can work together with them. So uh, I've been, and I've, I think I've been able to do that pretty successfully, but uh, since the election, since the presidential election in November, it's gotten, um, I don't know, see me like a little bit more personal or something. Mm. It, it, the, um, unfortunately we haven't been able to maintain as good of personal relationships between each other as we had in the past. I so. would say it's become personal. I mean, it wasn't trickle down. It was it was flood down after the election. I was watching that uh, council meeting where um, Greg Kassar was making his point, and you were trying to make yours. And rather than there being this uh, Robert's rules of order that are supposed to protect everyone, it was like a witch hunt. And I remember getting physically angry. Yeah. And I, I, I just thought, this is not... That is someone going, be tolerant, damn it. Right. And they're just screaming at you to conform. And I just think there's so many just cornerstones of the liberal belief that, that are that are founded on tolerance and, and, and having a discussion. And I've never heard Democratic friends of mine say, we don't need to talk to them. We don't need to hear their side of things. And it just... It scared me more than, but I was just, I was shocked. I just thought, how can this be happening? And, and just this majority of people in certain areas don't see it. Right. No, absolutely. And, and for anybody who doesn't know what you're referring to, there was an agenda item before us that was, um, an, it was an additional $200,000 per year for the next four years to fund legal services for illegal immigrants. And I just was trying to make the, the respectful, um, make the point in a respectful manner that I didn't think that that was an appropriate use of, of taxpayer dollars, especially when we just had an audit last week that says that we have over 3,500 potholes that aren't filled. So, you know, when we're talking about the priorities of city government and only having a limited no- amount of money to spend and where to spend those dollars, I think that we should spend them <laughs> filling potholes um, instead of providing services to uh, people who aren't in the country legally. And that didn't go over well with one of my other colleagues and he called me a li- on the on the dais called me a liar said i was only wow. out to score political points and we had a very heated um exchange that was kind of unprecedented and i was completely unprepared for and yeah so that's just one one example and i one example of the time that i was the only person that that voted against that, that well, i felt item. great but, support for you in that well, moment thank you thank you and so, i just i can't believe how you know we talk about the media being biased has anyone here heard it written that it's an $800,000 commitment, not a $200,000 commitment? Everyone just, it's, that's the headline, 200000 but that's not what we committed to. And that, so that so is the, council, the council also voted in December, in December to appropriate funds to defend illegal immigrants. How much was that? Well, that was the that was the resolution directing staff to bring back the okay. appropriation. Okay. But but we were adding. We already this the council already spend the city already spends money um, on that particular service. So this was an additional two hundred thousand dollars a year for the next four years. Wow! So as a taxpayer in the city of Austin, Charlie, we are paying to defend people who came to this country illegally. That's awesome. And all this is happening 
in the shadows of this sexual assault kit and DNA mm-hmm. lab mm-hmm. debacle, which I mean, I've, I've lived in Austin my entire life, and I've of all the uh, schemes and 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 whatnot, salamanders and just everything that's come along, 360, no lights, sure. The only time I've ever been truly ashamed is when the numbers came out on the failure of our DNA lab and just the lack of enthusiasm to do anything about it. I mean, there should not have been another bike lane built or another pothole filled even mm-hmm. until that was, mm-hmm. and I just, I, I felt like it was just an urgent um, shell game of shifting around who has to pay for it. Right. And and most recently, I think that the state has had to take it out, take over the responsibility because the state, the, the city hasn't been yeah able to do it because so. we're inept and it, it, it makes me so sad i can't yeah. those poor women i just austin is p- supposed to be progressive but it seems like a safe haven for like sexual predators yeah. and that's not no, that's not it, that's not something we should be proud very, of very disturbing and council member you ran on a common sense platform um so i was wondering what are your top priorities for this um for the rest of your term and what does common sense mean why yeah. how are you going to bring that to the council there's so many it's funny that that common sense term just kept kept coming to me when i was running for office previous or when, the first time that i ran for office again i'm using the word for <laughs> first. <laughs> next stop the presidency i'm gonna have to watch that um because there's, there, there there are so many things that the city council does that you just think Oh my gosh! Is there is that that just defies common sense? And so um, that's really what I, that's really what I wanted. What I wanted to bring to the council was just some some basic common sense on some of these issues. So um, you know, I I ran on affordability issues, property tax issues, spending issues. You know, we can't we can't spend all the money, and Austin absolutely is spending all the money. We have adopted um, nearly the maximum tax rate allowed under state law. Um, for seven of the past 10 years, which is, unpre- there's no other large city, growing city in Texas. We're already getting so much new revenue from all of this new development. Um, actually, in fact, almost $50 million a year we're making wow. in new development. So before I, ha- before I go, before the city goes to you for an additional dollar, we're already ha- we already have an additional $50 million that we can spend on um, growing services. And that's what you mean. You hear the term making growth pay for itself. Like right. to me, that's what it should be. The, the new revenue coming in should go for the exp- should go to pay for the expanded services. And that's not what the city is doing. The city is saying, we want all that money. Plus we want the maximum, we want all the money that we're legally allowed to, to take from existing residents as well. And uh, it's completely unsustainable. I, I've, the, the statistic that is staggering to me is that over since 2012, Incomes have increased almost four percent, while the while property taxes have increased almost thirty percent. Four percent versus thirty percent in the same amount of time is just insane. It's a college kid with their parents' credit card. It, yeah, it it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and one day you'll be like, oh my god, I you totally should be mayor, it. Allison. You <laughs> should be mayor. <laughs> I mean, so. is this? True. I know it was true when the the budget for 2016 passed that this the budget for the city of Austin was a full billion dollars more than the budget for the city of San Antonio, which is remarkably larger than the city of Austin. That and they, they, they managed to run it on about two and a half billion 
and we were coming in at three and a half billion. Right. And that's and, just the beginning. And the reason that that is such a good comparison is because San Antonio has their own energy utility, just like the city of Austin. So when you make comparisons sometimes to Houston or Dallas, um, the response that you get is, oh, well, that's, you know, comparing apples to oranges. But we have another city just down the road, San Antonio, that's that's doing the exact same thing and they're doing it for a billion dollars less. Yeah. The city of Austin is spending three point five billion dollars every year. So you did uh, lead an effort to increase the residential homestead exemption. Tell yes. us about that. So that was one of the things that that I that I ran on and that I feel I still feel really strongly about the um, by state law, a municipality and a county, a, a city and a county are both allowed to give up to twenty percent. Basically, I mean it's called a homestead exemption, but it's pretty much a reduction in your uh, property taxes, and that's substan- for someone who lives in their home. So if you know you get the benefit on on your homestead, but not necessarily on a rental property or something like that. And for people who are struggling to pay their property taxes, that's a that's a that's a needed, really needed tool for affordability in Austin. Um, so I was able to pass. Four percent, um, my first year, an additional two percent last year. Oh, it was six percent the first year, an additional two percent last year. So we're up to eight percent, but um, unfortunately, I think that we've lost the support on council to increase it anymore. So even though Travis County, Travis County, you get the full discount, you full homestead exemption from Travis County, and again, cities like Houston and Dallas also have the homestead exemption, but. Um, but not Austin. We just can't find it. You know, the, the argument is that it co- that it costs too much. But it's <laughs> we're spending all we're sp- you know the we're spending money on all of these other things, and really it's it's not costing it's costing the city. I'm, I'm more concerned about what it's costing the tax <laughs> the person who is Absolute, struggling to pay paying their, it. Paying it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but unfortunately, there's just a a problem seeing seeing tax issues from the point of view from uh, of the average taxpayer. Um, rather than from from the city who's collecting the taxes. They think it's their money. And that's what's fundamentally wrong with the city of Austin is right. they think it's their money right. and, and not the taxpayer's money. And it's sad. And, and you know, as a realtor, you're going to hate what I'm about to say. But I recently, um, well, a few months ago, paid my property tax bill for 2016. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that check and it was, a, I live in West Austin. It was a very large amount. Mm-hmm. And as I was writing that check, I realized when I t- thought about Austin being a sanctuary city, I realized that's not an official term, but Mayor Adler has mm-hmm. all but said this is a sanctuary city. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a sanctuary county mm-hmm. where Travis County Sheriff Sal- Sally Hernandez has said, I'm not going to cooperate with the federal government mm-hmm. when it comes to immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, add to that the fact that the city of Austin decided to run Uber and Lyft out of town, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great way to reduce drunk driving in the city of Austin. They have attacked, um, what's the term for home away? Oh, short-term rentals. Oh, yeah. Short-term rentals. Yeah. And so as I'm writing that check, I'm realizing I am rewarding bad behavior. Right. And I'm tired of doing it. And so, newsflash, I have put my house up for sale. I am moving out of the city of Austin and out of Travis County. You are. I I can't reward bad behavior anymore. And I don't blame you, and you're not the first person who I've heard from who, who is saying that. Farm living is the life for Trey. <laughs> yeah, can you help find me a farm in Hayes County? <laughs> I sure can. I know I left that out of, out of my bio. I am still a realtor. I like having a having a, a foot in the real world outside of the city council 
bubble hearing from real people like Trey Blocker complain about their property taxes. But it's true. I mean, when you when you think about what you're paying in and what you're paying for and how isolated Austin, Texas, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas have been for really the last 15 years. The entire recession happened, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as bad here because it's it, Texas has done such a play to make it a hub of industry. And I just think about every day, you always see 600 people a day move here, or whatever the number is, and you're just thinking the tax base is growing so fast. And we're still, we there's so much, like you just said, this 50 million plus, I mean, who knows how much money just comes in on a, on a never-ending basis, but the problem is it will end. And everyone is already going to have bailed. How, what do we do? How do we get from a 10-1 vote down to at least a 5-6 vote? As far as on council, mm-hmm. how do you get some better representation? Uh, yeah, council? what does Austin do to, to become solvent? You don't I'm have that written down. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm trying, you know, I feel like I'm what the chipping away at the iceberg, you know, so definitely could use any any help that I can get. And I'm going to continue. I mean, I, I live in the political reality that I have to continue to um, to to try to find consensus where where I can. Um, and even though it often is not nearly doesn't make as much of a difference as, as I want it to. Um, I, I, I do think that we are chipping away and I think that that's important and I and I think that it's important that we that there is that ideological diversity on the council and that um, people who might not people like you all who might not agree with every decision that the council is making at least feel like they have one one voice and hopefully it'll be more you know as as people continue to wake up to how the policies of the city are driving people driving people out of their homes you know it's it's a nonpartisan position. It's a nonpartisan election. Um, and I have both Republicans and Democrats who call me every day and, and say, what is going on in that in, in this city? We have to do something to fix it. So it's modern day McCarthyism in a way, because even if you don't bring up the national election and you say you're for fiscal responsibility, the deep breath is taken. They go, oh, so you love Trump. Right. And it's just, and it's like, when did it become an all or nothing discussion? And and the fact that a discussion is so out of line now, or mm-hmm. it's so the idea if if you even talk with certain people, then you're guilty. Right. You can't you can't even you can't even have a respectful conversation about something that might be out of, out, know. of you know out of their line. But was well, your district but being supported? I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have such amazing supporters in my district and across the city. Um, that really that really is truly what keeps me going because on those days that I'm that I'm discouraged, I'll get a phone call or an email or a text or you know from someone saying you know hey I really support what you're doing. Thank you for taking that stance. Whatever it is. So, um, so yeah. And I and to answer your question about what where do we start, I, I do think that we start with the budget and with spending and with having some kind of restraint, which is why I'm so excited about um, Senate Bill 2, and we'll see we'll see where that goes. <laughs> Trey, why don't you fill us in? What's Senate Bill 2? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what Senate Bill 2 does. Uh, so Senate Bill 2, right now the, the state, the maximum amount that the, that the city can increase your property taxes is, is 8% above the rollback rate, and Senate Bill 2 would move that to 4%. Well, I guess actually I think it passed up 5%. So anyway, again, just basically telling the city that um, you have to live within these restraints, and if you can't, it still preserves the ability of the city to go to the voters and ask per, for permission to, to, spend, to collect more money. Um, but I, I think that that is a more a more reasonable number. I mean, four percent is what three 
three percent population plus one percent inflation. I think it I think it more ref, better reflects um, the true growth in our cities, and I think that it would it would be one of the most significant property tax reforms that have happened in in recent history. Well, we appreciate your support for that. And, and you know, talking about going to the voters, it seems like those who vote in Austin don't seem to mind approving everything that the city throws at them. The city just voted uh, to approve a $700 million transportation bond, mm-hmm. and I think that's just the start. So what is that $700 million going to go to? Um, it's going to go to a lot of things. It's going to go to corridors. Um, it's going to go to bike, bike lanes. lanes and sidewalks. Pretty and, bushes. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated about is that we're losing, we're actually losing car lanes on some of our, some of our corridors. So, um, you know, I, I have constantly, I'm constantly trying to remind um, my colleagues that not everybody lives within walking distance or biking distance of their office. It's just not practical. And, and like my district, Southwest Austin, we barely even have bus service. So it, we don't have another, as much as you want us to get out of our cars and to and to not to not have you know individual vehicles it's just i i don't i don't know how else yeah. to get to work um and i'm certainly not going to ride my bike and and have anybody want to sit next to me in the middle of august when i've just biked <laughs> well, yeah. 10 miles downtown so That's i know true. if it's more than four steps in the summer yeah, and it's exactly. like and it's like the the rico act almost applies to Mayor Adler's approach. It's like, we're going to coerce everyone into abandoning their cars. Mm-hmm. We're going to take everything away until it's so bad. They're going to be like, all right, fine, mm-hmm. you win. I'll take the mm-hmm. bus. Because removing lanes, I mean, cars are, are what make the city productive. Mm-hmm. We're still uh, a fossil fuel economy. And <laughs> what the future holds is one thing. But man, <laughs> this idea that if they, like over on Hancock, that's over by where mm-hmm. I live, they made these bike lanes and they put up these these tall plastic things that squeezed the the car lane down so narrow that it was explained on the website that it'll force people to slow down and it's basically a shame tactic and i just think well that works for me but not johnny texter who's not looking where he's going and is now plowing in to mm-hmm. all these plastic things mm-hmm. and well, people and whatnot that's that's what we need more of in the city right slower Slower mm-hmm. traffic. Yeah, go slower. <laughs> Slow go it down, slower. everybody. Um, last year, whenever Prop 1 failed, it was kind of convenient for me because I was moving to D.C. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm not going to be affected by the removal of Uber and Lyft from mm-hmm. Austin. Do you mm-hmm. think, you know, now that I'm back, I miss it. There, there are other rideshare mm-hmm. options, but it just seems like Uber is, you know, something that is a go-to. I still click it, think, try to call an Uber all the time yeah. and realize that they're not in the area. Do you think that they'll ever return in the near future? Will ever be able to ne- negotiate that? Uh, you know, there's statewide legislation that would that would put in in place a, a state framework for ride sharing services, and I'm hopeful. You know, I've been supportive of that legislation. I think that it only makes sense. I mean, when you talk about transportation services, it's the intrinsic nature that they're crossing municipal boundaries. So, um, right now, you can go to Rollingwood and get mm-hmm. an Uber, but okay. you can't when you, when you cross the street into Austin. So. Um, I, I do think that having reasonable statewide framework um, is, is in the state's is in the consumer's best interest and in the state's best interest. So I'm hopeful that that will pass. And if it does, then I think that Uber and Lyft would would both come back. And we and and hopefully the the existing ride sharing companies who are operating in Austin would continue to operate and to continue to compete. Obviously, right. you know if they're providing a good service at a good price, they'll 
they'll continue to yeah. grow and get customers. Right. We want um, that competition. And if, so and if not, yeah. you know, it's been it's been frustrating that this has been ha- has been kind of framed in an oh we're so innovative. You know, the city the city of Austin <laughs> is just innovating too fast for these companies. Well, you know, the ride sharing services that we have are fine, but they're they're not that's they're still just ride sharing services like less sophisticated, less advanced ride right. sharing apps than what Uber and Lyft were. So Absolutely. I'm not sure what the we pushed what the, out the best what the innovation was there. But um, I haven't used it since they. I was using, and it's crazy and the impact on the downtown community. I mean, I'm just one exhausted parent. But when Uber was there, in a month I would use it maybe three times to go do things. And mm-hmm. I haven't used a ride share since they left. Mm-hmm. Nor have I called a cab. And all I can decipher from that is I'm just doing fewer things. And if it's late, it's part of it's lazy. I don't, I don't want to find the new mm-hmm. apps or whatever, but I just, I'm kind of like making a stand, but also I'm just like, no, I, I don't like the old way. It's stupid to me that, that we're, we're, we're choking innovation. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be forced to have to go use some other app because the one I want isn't allowed. Right. I mean, I feel like a child. Right. Exactly. And my, my district actually voted um, to support prop one. So I'm, and, you know, I was I, so I'm continuing on being their voice, I guess, to, well, good to for you. allow Uber and Lyft to come back to Austin. So the interesting thing about Proposition One, I'm a lawyer. I've worked in politics in the legislature for 20 years, and it took me about 10 minutes, 15 minutes of reading that to, to figure out which way I was supposed mm-hmm. to vote. Right. And I think that was done purposely. It confused people. I'm not sure people knew what they were voting for. I, I completely agree. And I voted against the ballot language when when we when we approved the ballot language at council, I voted against it for that very reason. I didn't know, I had no idea what I, I, I was <laughs> involved in the, in the, in the issue. You know, I'm as, as educated as I could be, as someone could be on this issue. And I, um, it, it was incredibly confusing. And, um, you know, the, the election came down to, uh, it came down to kind of partisan politics or, you know, e- evil corporations. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with what the, po- what, yeah. what good public policy is or what public safety truly is. Um, and, and I offered when we, when the argument was made that this was about public safety and keeping people safe, I, um, made an amendment at council before all of this happened to say, okay, well, if this is really about public safety, then, um, let's see, let's have the, every other kind of company of transportation company, like, um, I don't know, cap Metro taxis, um, go through, provide some of the same safety resources that, Uber and Lyft do like a picture sending you a picture of the driver having having real-time GPS while you're in the car you know being able to send that to a friend or your spouse um, being able to see the license plate and so I offered that amendment and and of course it didn't real funny Ellen (laughs) (laughs) that was that was pretty much the response that I got but but to me that kind of just goes to prove that you know public safety is a lot bigger than it's a lot bigger issue than the than the one small thing that we were focusing on um but unfortunately there was there was a refusal to I guess acknowledge that yeah Mm -hmm. well they must have seemed it seems like they were scared or at least nervous because that ballot language to me was I mean that's his you know, surface a booby trap as you can find, yeah. make it a quadruple negative and yeah. <laughs> try yeah, hope people don't follow. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so public safety, I mean, I think it's a, between all of the things that you mentioned earlier, Trey, the, um, being, being a sanctuary city, I, I met, I actually sat down with ice not too long ago and I asked them at the end of our meeting, I said, just tell me, cause it's a, it's a really complicated issue, the detainers and the jurisdictions. And, you know, I was trying, I was just trying to understand what the ins and outs were. And at the end of our meeting, I just, I said, so tell me, do you, 
is our city less safe because of this policy? And they said, absolutely. Sure. And that, you know, really just confirmed, confirmed to me that this is a serious problem. So for the past six months, there have been numerous reports about the Travis County Sheriff, Sally Hernandez, adopting the sanctuary county policy where she was only going to cooperate with ICE with regard to certain offenses, first degree murder, aggravated assault. Mm -hmm. And so once you looked at what was left out of that, rape, Mm -hmm. she wasn't going to cooperate with the federal government when it came to an illegal immigrant raping someone. Mm -hmm. How insane is that? I mean, two weeks ago, there was a case in Baltimore that I'm sure you've heard about where a 17-year-old illegal immigrant and an 18-year-old illegal immigrant brutally raped and sodomized a 14-year-old girl Mm -hmm. in the bathroom. Baltimore is a sanctuary city. So what happens when that kind of incident occurs in the city of Austin? Mm -hmm. Is the city of Austin going to be held liable? They should be. They should be. I mean, I obviously disagree with the with the policy of the city and the the sheriff. And um, I just think, again, with the limited resources that we have, why would we not? If we know if we believe that someone has committed a crime, they should be held accountable regardless of, you know, regardless of where they're from. But but especially if they're not here legally to begin with. And and the only reason someone is on ICE's radar to begin with is because they they've they've done something to get on that radar so um you know it's it's not i don't think that it's just you know oh the person who just moved you know has lived here for however many years and is a good tax-paying member of our society no it's 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 someone who has done something to get on ice's radar to begin with that's right committed an additional right. crime right. there was a headline shortly after the ice raids in the city of austin where Mayor Adler got upset and said, you know, out of the 65 people or whatever it was who were detained, only 25 of them had committed crimes. Well, Mayor Adler is a good lawyer. He's a smart lawyer. He has to know it is a crime to come into this country illegally. So they're all criminals. Right. They are all criminals and should be deported. I mean, well, what you're saying is pretty basic, but I feel like what we're dealing with is these are people that have not only entered here illegally, but they've gone in front of a judge and been declared illegal and ordered deported. And then beyond the order for deportation or a deportation, there's been other crimes committed. And it's just, I don't see how this, this, this community like effort to protect is there, but just juxtaposed with, yeah, fellow citizens that have been assaulted. They're, they're mm-hmm. the, the, tests aren't being run it's just things are so topsy-turvy right now that it just seems like there's going to have to be some sort of reckoning some sort of reckon you know some way to set things straight yep i i I agree and i just you know i'm i'm doing everything that i can keep it up to 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 be a voice and to try to try to bring that common sense that uh we talked about to the city council and hopefully you know, hopefully I'll get some 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 additional support and um, the, the city will come to its senses before we kind of just, I don't know, Im- implode. I know. Well, we, we wish you the best of luck for mm-hmm. sure. And in the meantime, I mean, let's be honest, we live in one of the greatest cities in the country and in the world. Uh, we, we have great festivals from Austin City Limits to South by Southwest, uh, some of the best weather in the country. It's just a cool place to be. Mm-hmm. So The best food, yeah. too. So much good food. It's a yes yeah. city. <laughs> yeah. I've always called it a yes city. It if you have an idea and you want to do something, you can, you'll you find somebody happen. that will say, yeah, 
In spite, Let's do that. In spite of the local government. Yeah. And it will, it will not <laughs> be hard. Exactly. It's still a great city. <laughs> so I noticed on your bio, you're also involved in a number of charities. Wh- which ones are you involved in? And, and uh, tell us about those. Sure. Uh, so one of, one of my favorites is the St. David's Foundation. Um, I, I work on the host committee for Toast to the Town. We put together a series of events to raise money for kids from Central Texas who want to pursue health-related careers. But otherwise wouldn't have the means to attend college. It's, it's, they have like a 98% success rate. It's a scholarship that follows someone all the way through undergrad and medical school and pairs, pairs them with uh, a mentor that, that stays with them that whole time. So that is a, an amazing cause that I encourage everybody to, to support. I also, I grew up dancing, so I'm, I'm a, on the board of Ballet Austin and uh, you Were you let, a ballerina? I was. Oh, I was right. a ballerina growing up. And I actually came <laughs> to Bally Austin for one of their, what they call summer intensive sessions. So I, when I was in high school, I came to Austin Very and, cool. uh, you know, lived in a dorm on campus and oh, attended fun. classes at Bally Austin. So it's kind of cool, you know, f- to come full circle now. And even though I can't live out my dream to be a professional ballerina and <laughs> be a city council member instead, uh, but I can support them by, you know, giving financially and, and going to the ballet. So you just let me know if you ever want to want to go. Caleb uh, is a pretty good sport, but yeah. <laughs> but not all, not all the time. He'd give up his ticket. Every now and then. He, would, he would sacrifice his ticket so, for someone who wanted to go. You know, a lot of people listen to the Trey Blocker show on iTunes or SoundCloud, and not many people, I think, at this point, because we haven't promoted it, know that we videotape all these episodes, and they're up on the Trey Blocker show website at treyblocker.com. So if you want to do a ballerina routine for our audience, <laughs> we're happy to turn the GoPro your direction you, let, let you spin around a few times oh you are so thoughtful thank you for that <laughs> offer you know i didn't bring didn't bring my point shoes with me so next maybe, time. Next time. Allison, maybe next time maybe next time did you bring yours no, I didn't actually. I was a ballerina too, though. You were? Not good. So they encouraged me to not ever come again. So, yeah. Well, Councilmember Ellen Troxclair, we greatly appreciate you coming Thank on the show. You. We hope you'll appreciate come back it. sometime and visit with us. And we appreciate everybody listening to the Trey Blocker Show. Great. Until next time. Oh. Her quote. Oh, about to let her off the hook, man. I was going to let her off the hook. I got it already. I have a quote ready for you. We Give, have to keep the tradition We alive. do have to keep the All tradition right. what's, what's your inspirational <laughs> quote? Okay. My inspirational quote is. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to The Trey Blocker Show. Find the latest episodes at treyblocker.com or from your favorite podcast download app.